Hey, this is Dan Kogan. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Family in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today and let you know you matter to us because you matter to God. Enjoy the message. The Lord threw a great wind on the sea, and such a great storm arose on that sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, so each cried out to his own God. They even threw the ship's cargo into the sea to try to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel, had stretched out, and had fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe this God will consider us, and maybe we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots, then we'll know who is to blame for all this trouble that we're in. So they cast the lots, and the lots singled out Jonah. And Then they said to him, tell us, who is to blame for this trouble we're in? What's your business, and where are you from, and what's your country, and what people are you from? He answered, and he said, Well, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. At that point, the men were seized by great fear and said to him, What is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he'd told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you so the sea will calm down for us? For it was really getting worse and worse. He answered, and he said, Well, pick me up. And throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode harder to get back to dry land. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. and Don't charge us with innocent blood. For Lord, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And in verse 15, they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear. They offered a sacrifice and they made vows to the Lord. Father, may you bless the reading of your word to our hearts this morning. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we said last week that uh, one of the reasons Jonah hated the Ninevites was all of the disgusting and vile and cruel and torturous things they had done. His hate for them was well-founded in terms of human terms. It wasn't just pure sort of racial hatred that was generational, he had reason to really detest these people because they were really the terrorists of their day. There was nothing that they wouldn't do. There was no depths that they wouldn't sink. And they were just awful and they were to be feared and they were absolutely people that you just detested. And so that God would look upon these people that the rest of the world detested, God would look upon these people that have had so blatantly disregarded not only his word, but what you would call sort of civil standards, even by the ancient people's day. God looked upon them, and God told Jonah 
You need to go to these people, your enemies, the people you hate, the people you wish really weren't there at all. That's where you need to go. And Jonah made it abundantly clear he had no intention of doing that. So deeply was his hatred for these people, so ingrained in him were his own biases about this that he refused to do what God clearly asked him to do. And as we said the last couple of weeks, God may not be clearly asking you to go to some far-off terrorist capital and preach the gospel to people, but he is asking you, I don't know, love your neighbor as yourself. He is asking you husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church. He's asking us to love those who don't love us, our enemies, And we're a lot like Jonah in that we hear what he says, but we come up with rationalizations of why that doesn't really apply to us, and we don't really want to do it. And so Jonah flees, and as we said, when he fleed, he went to where? He was going to get get on a ship. He was going to go someplace. He was going to go to Tarshish in the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, and there he found a ship. And as we've said on many occasions, and don't ever forget this, when you're running from God... Satan will be always there to provide a boat for you to get away. He'll always do that. You'll never have to look very far. It may be a relationship you shouldn't be in. It may be drugs or alcohol. It may be pornography. It may be gambling. It may be any number of things. But he'll provide some way for you to escape from the presence of the Lord as you see the presence of the Lord. And he'll see, he'll see to it that it's easy to do. And as we said even last week, sometimes people look at this as though it's some sort of providence. You know, as a youth minister, as a, a long, long time ago, you'd get some young kid that would come to you and he'd say, you know, Mark, I've, I've I met this person and they don't go to church and they don't believe in Jesus, and, and, uh, but, they, but why would God cause me to love them so much if he didn't want me to be together with them, Right? And so it's like, this is my escape. This is my future. This is my happiness. Even though it doesn't look anything like what God would want me to do, the boat's right there. How could I not get in it? Sometimes we rationalize our sin in such a perverted way that we almost make it seem like God's provided that boat there. But there's always an escape when we're trying to flee from God. But it really isn't an escape. Jonah knew he couldn't flee from the presence of the Lord, but he just wanted to get away. So he gets in this boat, and he does what always happens when we have sin, unconfessed, unrepented sin in our life. The storm that surrounds us comes on to people we care about, people we love, people in our network to your family, to your extended family, to your church, when we determine that we're going to be disobedient. And again, it's not like we fail once in a while. We all fail once in a while. That's why we have repentance. That's why we have these wonderful truths in God's word that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I'm not talking about a life of perfection, but I'm talking about when we make a conscious decision, God wants us to do something, and we're not going to do it. We're going to live disobediently. If you're a true child of God, there will be punishment that will come your way. He chastises those that he loves. And he does this to Jonah. But Jonah's storm is not just for Jonah. These other sailors, these other merchants, these men who had nothing to do with Jonah's disobedience are caught up in his storm. Your sin affects your children, your grandchildren, your parents, the people you love, your church members, the people you work with, your extended family, your disobedience has a direct impact on their lives. I know sometimes we act like it's my life, and if I want to do what I want to do, 
what difference does it make? Well, talk to the people who have to live with you, for goodness sakes. It makes a lot of difference. And they were all frightened. These were men who'd been on the sea all of their life, and they were so terrified by the raging of this storm that they began to throw the cargo overboard. I mean, what good is that? That means the the trip will be nothing. They'll they'll lose money. I mean, that's the whole purpose that they're out there. But it's between really, are we going to save our life or are we going to lose money? And of course they're going to lose money. So they start throwing things overboard, but they realize that's not going to work. And so they all begin to cry to their own gods, except for one. And he's sound asleep, stretched out. I love the way this... The scripture says he's just stretched out. He's, he's completely oblivious. He has already given up. He, it's amazing how when we live disobediently, everybody else's life can be in chaos, but there's a sense in which we've just sort of come to realize this is, this is just the way it is, and, and, and this, this, this numbing to the sin, and that is around us. It's not at all uncommon. So turned in on himself was Jonah that he was sound asleep, in the midst of this storm. And the captain went down and woke him up and said, you're an idiot. We're about to go under. We're all crying to our gods. Cry to your God. Maybe he's the one. And then this amazing, this amazing conversation between Jonah and these sailors. Jonah goes, you don't have to cry to your gods. It's me. I'm the one. I know. This whole thing is, is because of me. It's because of my disobedience. I, it's because I, I worship the one true God who made the sea and the dry land. He controls it all. This all is about me. Well, you would think at that point, you would think at that point, Jonah would just repent, right? I mean, say, look, okay, I get it, God. This storm is raging. We're all going to die. Not only me, but these poor innocent guys are going to die. I'm ready. And at that point, you think he would have a literally come to Jesus meeting in the boat where he would acknowledge his sin and say it's time to go back it's amazing isn't it how stubborn we can be in our disobedience it's amazing how ingrained in us look if you don't think humans have fallen if you don't believe we are sinful to the core as the apostle Paul says we are we are enemies of God by nature that's a powerful statement You look around and you see how hummingbirds travel thousands of miles. It's an amazing thing. They have to eat so many times a day. I go, why do you travel so far? Just find a warm place and stay there, for goodness sakes. But by nature, they they do all this, this migration. And over and over again, you see in nature how these animals do what they're, what, they're, what they're designed to do. It's not something they make a conscious choice of. It's their nature. And Paul uses that same analogy about sin in our life. We are fallen. And we are. he doesn't say we're just neutral to God by nature. He says we are literally enemies of God by our nature, our human nature. And we are so rebellious. I know sometimes we think we're pretty good because we look around and we look at the rest of the world and we look at other people and we compare ourselves to them and we think we're pretty good. And sometimes as churches, we look around and we go, well, we're better than most churches. Well, that's not, that's not the standard. The standard are, are we Christ's church? Is this his church? Is he honored here? Is he glorified here? Are we making sacrificial uh, giving so that the world might know and the neighborhood might be better? Or are we just comparing ourselves to other congregations and other churches. Because Jonah was so 
committed to being disobedient, that rather than repent, he would choose to die. This isn't the only time, by the way, in the book of Jonah where Jonah's ready to choose death. It happens again. Listen, running from God is not the pathway to happiness. Running from God is not the pathway to fulfillment. Running from God is not the pathway to peace. Being disobedient in your life does not lead you where you want to go. You look at this story and it just jumps out at us. I mean, how could, how could drowning in a sea be worse than being obedient to God and preaching the gospel, the good news of God's love to people who need to hear it? How could that? And yet, time and time again, think of how many times... In, every way. You and I know what God would have us to do. We know what his standard of holiness is. We know what he would call us to be as husbands, as wives, as parents, as children, as church members, and we still choose not to do it. And how many times churches know what Christ would have them do in their community, and they still choose not to do it. And the role I have at the North American Mission Board deal with hundreds of churches each year who close their doors. And it's not, listen, It is not an overstatement for me to tell you this morning there are many churches who would rather die than be disobedient. They would rather die than change. They would rather die than let someone come in and move the pews out or change the music or start reaching the neighborhood. They would rather die like they are. They are like Jonah in that sense. Where does that come from? There's no joy in that. There's no happiness in that. Jonah's not enjoying his life at this moment. He's ready to die. Look, you and I know he doesn't die. But you've got to know, at that moment, in that storm, he doesn't know that. At that moment, in that storm, he's going to be thrown into that raging sea, and he believes he's going to gasp his last breath of air, he's going to see his last bit of daylight, and he's going to die. And when we begin to run from God, it doesn't lead us into a good place. We don't become what, there's no, again, there is no happiness there. When when Jesus was crossing the Sea of Galilee, and he was going across, he left the big crowds, and he told the disciples, we're going to go to the other side. They go to the other side, and they run into these, the the, the, the gathering demoniac, remember him? He said, uh, so many demons that that they call them legion, and, and Jesus cast the demons into the swine, right? Remember that story? And what happened to the swine? They ran off as fast as they could off a cliff into the sea and they drowned. That's a picture that whatever sin enters, sin destroys. There's no life in sin. There's no future in that. There's no hope in that. There's no joy in that. We're obedient to Christ not out out of legalism because we're afraid not to be. We're obedient to Christ because it's the pathway to joy and happiness. My peace, he says, I give you, and the peace I give you, the world can't give you, and the world can't take away. The apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in, whether I have little or whether I have nothing. That's the joy that comes in obedience. And it's such an amazing thing. God presents this out here, and he says, here's all the joy you could ever imagine. Here's all the fellowship with me you could ever imagine. Here's all the satisfaction in life you could ever imagine. And we look at it and go, yeah, but I don't think I want that. I want to do what I want to do. I want to choose my own path. I want to make my own decisions. I want to focus on myself. The reason, the reason Jonah didn't go to Nineveh was because, listen, Jonah was not focused on God. He was focused on himself. 
If Jonah was focused on God, if he was overwhelmed by the glory and the beauty and the majesty of God, wherever God told him to go, he couldn't have waited to get there. He would have been full of expectation and excitement about what God was going to do because he's so immersed and lost in God. But he wasn't. He was completely immersed and lost in himself. And all he could think about was, how's this going to impact my life? And again, I can take that even looking at churches. Remember when we preached through the book of 1 Timothy, one of the first things Paul told Timothy to do in that very dysfunctional church was what? Have the people pray for the whole world. Here's a dysfunctional church, and Paul says one of the first things you do, Timothy, is you get them to pray for the whole world. Big, huge, audacious, expansive prayers to get their mind off of themselves and see the glorious picture of who God truly is. But I have so many churches I work with that look, turn inward and turn in on themselves, and, and they don't see God's plan for anything. All they see is, how does this affect me, and how's this going to affect my schedule, and how's this going to affect my preferences, how's this going to affect what I like? And that's where Jonah was. And there is no hope there. There is no help there. There is no happiness there. There is no future there. There is only death and sadness and loneliness and destruction to other people there. And that's where he was. And I love the fact here that the Scripture records that the men at first didn't want to throw him overboard, so they decided they would just, what? They would row harder against the storm. Row harder against the storm. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging more and more. I just wish I was an artist and you could paint a picture of these desperate men in this little craft with these little oars against this raging sea and they can't get anywhere. What a, what a picture of how our human effort to battle God To overcome that is pointless. The harder we row, the worse it gets. And so finally, they quit rowing. And they pick up Jonah at his own request. And they throw him into the sea. And when that happens, in verse 15, the sea stopped its raging. Look, there's a message for you and for me in that. Quit rowing against God. Quit trying to battle sin and things in your own power. Quit trying to manage your own life. Yield to what God would have you to do and rest in him and the storm will cease. It's not about rowing harder. It's about being obedient. And so they threw Jonah into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. And then they were seized by great fear, and they made vows to the Lord and sacrifices to him. (laughs) It's amazing. God will be worshipped. He is God. And here Jonah was trying to run from God so that he wouldn't have to proclaim the good news and the glorious news of God. And yet, even in this moment of crisis, even in his own, what he would perceive as his impending death, God is glorified even in that. 
I mean, God's going to be glorified one way or another, and much better for you and I to be part of that and, and doing what he would want us to do than to be disobedient in that. And Jonah, still, God used Jonah's total, I mean, don't, it just blows me away. God even uses Jonah's disobedience for his glory as when he throws him, when they throw him overboard and the sea stops its raging, the men worship the one true God. If you test the child of God, even when he gets where he ought not to be, he will stand by his colors. He will confess that he is, after all, a servant of the living God. You see, listen carefully what I'm about to tell you. Jonah truly was a servant of the living God. He never denied it. He never denied it. He could have, but he didn't. He truly was. When it came down to the end of it, he acknowledged, I, I'm, I'm the cause of this. God, I'm a servant and I'm disobedient. No matter, listen, no matter how far you run, no matter what boat you see, seek to escape into, no matter, listen, no matter how much you stretch out and how deeply you sleep, you never get away from the fact, if you're a child of God, of knowing you are being disobedient to him and you are his child. You never get away from that. That's always there. And there's some of you here this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about. Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And he was in the belly of the fish for three days and for three Wow. <laughs> Even though the men were finished with Jonah, they tried everything, right? They would prayed to their gods. They tried to get Jonah to pray to his God. They would rode harder than they'd ever rode before. They'd thrown everything overboard. They had tried everything. Finally, with, and they'd cast lots. They'd done everything they could do to keep from throwing Jonah overboard. But finally, they had no choice if they were going to live. They had to be finished with Jonah, and they tossed him overboard. Jonah was certainly finished with himself. He could have had ample opportunities to repent, to confess that he was doing what he was doing was wrong, to, to tell the Lord in front of those witnesses of those men that he would go to Nineveh, but he refused to do any of that. Jonah was through with Jonah. The men were through with Jonah, and Jonah was through with Jonah. He was ready for his life to come to an end. But God was not finished yet with Jonah. Such amazing truth that God is God God has more patience with us than we have with ourselves. God was not done with Jonah. There was a there was a message in Jonah's life. God was going to use Jonah for his glory. There's a sovereign message here about no matter how how if we are truly a servant of God as Jonah was as he confessed that he was, then we no matter what boat we get into, no matter how far we try to go, we can't separate ourselves not only from God's love, but his sovereignty and his purpose and his plan of redemption. I love that. I'm so grateful this morning that God's purpose and plan of redemption does not rest on my obedience because it wouldn't get anywhere. It didn't rest on Jonah's obedience. It rested on God's sovereignty. And even when Jonah failed so desperately that he was willing to die for it, God wasn't going to have any of that. And he used him anyway. 
And of all things, there's no way in the world Jonah could have imagined that God would create such an event to create a fish to swallow him whole. If you're sitting there this morning going, how could that possibly be? Oh, it be. My, my God, that's nothing for him. It be. And oh, I, the, 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 the analogy of three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, the analogy of Jesus, three days and three nights. And there in the tomb, and there, there is there's Jonah. Now, are you ready for this? Now in a place worse than death. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, death, this thing's over. You and I know. Listen, you and I know he gets out in three days and three nights. He doesn't know that. First day, he doesn't know that. Second day, he doesn't know that. Third day, he doesn't know that. Oh, the depths and the darkness when we run from what we know God would have us do. There is a progression of downwardness in Jonah. He goes down to Joppa to get on a ship. He goes down into the ship. He goes down into the sea, and he goes down into the fish. You can just keep going down. There's no up until you repent, until you confess. And that's what happens. Look at chapter 2. Verse 1, Jonah prayed to the Lord God from the belly of the fish. He didn't pray to God from the boat, but he did pray to God from the belly of the fish. Dear Saint, please understand, if you don't hear anything else from this poor sermon this morning, running from God, being disobedient, getting in any boat that Satan provides for you might bring you momentary distraction but it will not bring you peace. It will not bring you joy. It will not lead you where you want to go. And finally, in verse 2, I called to the Lord in my what? Distress. In my distress. God is such a loving and sovereign God that he wasn't going to allow Jonah to miss this opportunity. And the only way Jonah was going to come to his senses and repent was to be in such a place of distress that he had no option. He couldn't even die in the belly of the fish. He was completely surrounded by darkness in an environment none of us can ever imagine. So I cried out, and he answered me. I cried out from deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the hearts of the sea, and the current overcame me. And your breakers and your billows swept me. But I have said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me to the neck. The water redeps overcame me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The gates of the earth shut forever behind me. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you. To your holy temple, those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Charles Spurgeon writes this. Jonah learned this sentence of good theology in a strange college. (laughs) He learned it 
in the fish's belly at the bottom of the mountains with the weeds wrapped with the weeds wrapped around his neck. Now listen. Most of the grand truths of God have been learned by trouble. They must be burned into us with the hot iron of affliction. Otherwise, we will truly not receive them. How many times in your life has God brought you to a place where he really brought you to your senses. And that's where Jonah was. How many times in our life, rather than us being finished with ourselves and the world being done with us and the church being done with us, God was not done with us. And he brought us to a place where we had to finally come to grips with who he was and who we were. How wonderful for Jonah. Verse 10, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it spewed Jonah out on to the dry land. The Lord commanded the sea to rage, and it raged. The Lord commanded the sea to stop its raging, and it stopped its raging. The Lord commanded a fish to swallow Jonah, and it swallowed Jonah. The Lord commanded, you follow me here? The Lord commanded the fish to spit up Jonah, and it spit up Jonah. You, you, You see, when we finally submit to the lordship, to the sovereignty, to the rule of God in all things, we understand that there's no reason to row against the waves, that he has our interest in heart, that our joy is primarily what we will have if we follow him and do what he wants. But to be disobedient to him, this picture of Jonah in these first two chapters is a picture of all of us. As we know what God wants us to do, we find all kinds of reasons and rationale why it doesn't apply to us, and we're not going to do it. We bring all kinds of danger and storm and difficulty on the people around us that we love. We may get so desperate in our sinful condition, we're ready to give up on everything. But if, as of Jonah, we are truly a servant of God, and even in the darkest moment, we understand we are still that. Listen, if you, if, you, if you understand in that darkest moment, if you're overwhelmed by conviction and by guilt and by remorse, be thankful for that. That's a sign as Jonah knew this is all about me. Jonah knew this was his sin. That's a good place to be in a sense because you know you are a child of God. God was not finished with him. And when finally Jonah did cry out, the Lord heard him. None of us have fallen so far. None of us have disobeyed so much that if we will cry out in true repentance, God will hear us. And he will restore us. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to our show so the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready whenever you are. And secondly, if Grace Family has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description and make a donation now. And we'll see you next time on the Grace Family Podcast.